Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, and welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to be joined by Rudy Stinkowicz, and we're going to debunk another pool industry myth, and that is the myth of chlorine lock. You may have heard this term thrown out there, and I think Rudy is one of the best people in the industry, or the best person in the industry, who can unpack chlorine lock for you, and he does a great job in this podcast. Leslie's Pool Supplies is a proud partner of the Pool Guy Podcast Show, Leslie's Pool Supplies has been do-it-yourselfers and pool trade professionals' trusted partners since 1963, providing quality products and services to make pool care easy and solutions and expertise to do it right. And to learn more about the courses that Rudy offers, you can go to cpoclass.com, and there will be a listing there of all the CPO courses he offers, including a CPO recertification course and a CPO prep course, along with the standard CPO course, And he also offers an advanced chemistry course, and you can learn more about all of this on his site, cpoclass.com. You can also find Rudy on Facebook through his Facebook group, Talking Pools. This is a really big industry Facebook group. If you go to Facebook in the search box and just type in Talking Pools, it'll take you to that Facebook group. So um, let's talk about another myth, and I know you've written about this in different magazines, and that's chlorine lock. And of course, this is in publications, it's been everywhere, and I hear it all the time from people, uh, the trouble-free pool form, all these guys, and um, everyone jumps on this, that too much cyanuric acid in the water locks up the chlorine. I guess that's kind of in a nutshell, and they get that term chlorine lock. Um, is this something that really happens? This is a real well, term in the industry? The myth uh, the myth is that it stops the chlorine from working completely, um, and what people believe cyanuric acid, the chlorine cyanuric acid relationship to be, that varies a lot. Like you said, it's it's a great way to start a long conversation in most cases, and sometimes a heated conversation. But realistically, what happens is cyanuric acid can kind of slow it down, right? And the higher the cyanuric acid level, the more it will slow down what's in the water but it doesn't stop it. So it doesn't lock it. And the way you counter that is you go with a higher chlorine level. So even though the cyanuric acid levels, let's say a hundred parts per million, right? So normally we're at 50 parts per million and we function just perfectly fine with a chlorine level of 3.5 parts per million. Now over summer, we've added tablets all year long. It's made it up to 100 parts per million. My 3.5 parts per million might not be cutting it anymore. It's not that it stopped. It's just not enough. So I raised that to 7.5, 7.5 parts per million. Now I'm the 7.5% of the cyanuric acid, which is what I'm sure you've heard them speak of. And at that point in time, now I'm okay, and I should be able to maintain my pool algae um, and bacteria free. 
But the problem is, is where we came up with this whole slack chlorine lock thing is, is that when you have the chlorine level at 3.5 parts per million, and then you have the high um, cyanuric acid level, and then keep in mind at that time too, we're not checking for phosphates at all back when this started, because um, that was something we started doing more of, I guess if you've been in the industry for a while, I'd say late 90s where we really started looking at phosphates. So that's going on in there. So the, the chlorine is just not working as well at that lower level. But if we do add more of it, then we have more hypochlorous acid in the water that's free to do what it's supposed to do. So picture this. Imagine you're, you're in a building looking down on Times Square. There's 100 people down there. So it's a slow day. There's 100 people at Times Square. And you hand out 50 umbrellas. And as these people walk around, they pass the umbrella from one to another, just continually passing the umbrellas along. This is basically what you have with cyanuric acid and chlorine, right? So the 50, that's our cyanuric acid, the umbrellas. And the 100 people, that's our hypochlorous acid. That's what's killing, doing the sanitizing, the disinfecting. And everybody gets a chance to hold the umbrella eventually, right? But if I was to add even more people, there'd be less chlorine protected at any point in time. But if I added more umbrellas, there'd be more people bound to the cyanuric acid. There'd be more people holding an umbrella at any one given time. And that's when we find that it's that that's what's slowing us down is the amount of basically umbrellas. Whoever's holding the umbrella is really not working. Whoever's without the umbrella, they're doing the job they're supposed to do. Now, raise the pH in that scenario, and we end up with more hypochlorite ions than we have hypochlorous acid, and hypochlorite ions actually degrade quicker in sunlight, and then we burn off more chlorine because of that anyway, um, because the hypochlorous acid will bond with the cyanuric acid and produce more hypochlorite ions, and that's when we'll see that occur. Yeah, and so that a pretty the, good picture of what we're looking at. And yeah, that's probably the best picture I've ever heard. So I really like that. I'm going to steal that one. Go for it. Um, and I think, <laughs> and so you know, this, the since we're on cyanuric acid so much in this in this talk, um, and I've heard different things coming down the pike about the levels being definitely lowered um, by the those in power. And it's going to become a problem, I think. And I, like I said, I'll go back to your solution of lowering it with the aluminum sulfate and with the automated, you know, chem feeders, all these things, salt systems are going to have to move us away from um, the big trichlor industry. You know, when I started back in the early 90s, also, actually, I started in, I was trained in 88 uh, okay. by a family friend. Um, we used to leave a case of liquid chlorine at the customer's house. And we would dump a gallon in when we're there. They would dump a gallon in midweek or whenever. And tablets weren't really that big until, you know, mid-90s. and right. mid So we started just using liquid. And then you had the liquid feeders at all the commercial accounts, you know, the um, kind of like the Hasa liquidators. Mm -hmm. And the tablets weren't used at commercial pools. We didn't use them. And so things have shifted quite a bit where I think tablets are being used everywhere now. And the cyanuric acid is becoming a problem because I know from my experience out there, when the cyanuric acid gets above 100, it's much more expensive for me to maintain the pool as a, as a pool professional. I'm using enhancers. I'm using more liquid chlorine, more shock to make the pool work. And I think, you know, just out of this, we should kind of think about ways of keeping the pools where 
but sign Eric asked the listening, get out of control to where it's a problem. We should. I, I grew up in New York. And in New York, you're not allowed to use cyanuric acid in a commercial pool, period. So I, I think it's pretty much, it's been that way for as long as I remember. Um, but you're right. Um, I guess if you recall, I guess it was about a year ago this time, I was invited to New Orleans to the International Pool and Spa Show. And the purpose was for me to debate members of the CDC's um, ad hoc committee for the commercial aquatic health code, the committee for the the committee for the model aquatic health code. Sorry. Anyway, so I went out there and we talked about that. And I was trying. I, I I was representing. I was representing the pool professionals out there. And I think I actually held my own. I did. I did all right. Um, but you know, there were some really really smart people there as well. What they're looking to do is lower the maximum cyanuric acid level, as you stated. At that point in time, the goal was to lower it to 80 parts per million. And with that, go with a 1 to 20 ratio of chlorine to cyanuric acid. So it's not just the cyanuric acid level coming down. The chlorine level then at a 1 to 20 ratio, that would be 4 parts per million. So that would give you a maximum 4 part per million chlorine level. And that's in line with the EPA guidelines for drinking water, the FIFRA EPA, FIFRA docs and such. So we have that four parts per million. So that's the big thing. The model, and, and they have to do it this way, and I get it and I understand it because you, if you're going to put something out there for a maximum level, it's kind of going to, it's going to be a blanket philosophy. It has to be, you know, if I put out a number, 100 parts per million, 80 parts per million, no matter what that is. But I like to look at things a little bit differently. I, if anybody who's been to any of my classes knows that even when I teach my CPO class, or now I was saying I have other classes, I have an advanced chemistry class that I teach online as well, um, which is new. And it's, it's probably, I, I made it so that it's inexpensive. I don't want to talk numbers here, but I made it so it's inexpensive so everyone can take advantage of it. It's a four-hour class, but it's probably the most advanced pool water chemistry class that's out in the market today which is kind of neat. But anyway, so we're talking about all these things coming down. But I like to talk about my philosophy has always been think outside the pool. Because remember back in the 90s, we had this expression, we'd say think outside the box. Mm -hmm. I mean, it probably came about in the 60s and it went through the 70s and 80s. But in the 90s, we really beat the crap out of it, right? Everything was think outside the box. We got to hire somebody. We want outside the box thinkers. We, why should you hire me? Well, I think outside the box. I burn the box. I crush the box. I dump on the box. Everything was about the box. David, isn't a pool a box filled with water? Yeah. I just want the same thing. I want people to think outside the box. I want to think outside the pool. I want people to take the environment into consideration. And I want everybody to understand that there's so many different things that go on in somebody's yard. There's no such thing as a cookie, cookie cutter pool, which means there no, shouldn't be any cookie cutter water chemistry, which means, in my opinion, the person who's best to decide what a pool needs is the pool professional that's poolside, the pool doctor. Right. That's what they're out there doing or the pool detective, whatever you want to call them. They're the person on site. They're the expert. And this is their patient. So that's why one of the things I wanted, I was happy to go out there and debate this. And I understand, okay, we need to have this level to do this, but there are going to, there's no way, in my opinion, I mean, that somebody can go out and maintain a pool in Miami the same way they do up in Walla Walla, Washington. 
That's where Batman was born, by the way. Walla walla. But that's that's my thought there. So I think the pool person, the pool professional, should be the one who has the final say. Um, I understand if something's going to be a toxic scenario. I got it. But you know, I just I just think the pool professional should have have more say on what goes on in the pools that they maintain because they're the ones on site maintaining them. And and what we're looking at. I mean, there is an answer to this. There is a resolution that enables us to work within these guidelines and everybody to have everything field. And again, it comes back to adding automation to every single pool. But you know your residential customers. We all have re we have commercial customers. We have residential customers. Not everybody's going to go for that. It's going to be a hard sell. Mm -hmm. It's going to affect our business. It's going to affect their business. It's going to be very difficult. And I get it if the health official says it has to be here, but the health official is not going to say they have to have, you know, a larger system to be able to compensate for adding more chlorine or what have you know what I mean? So it has to be all even even the folks who have automation in place now may have to change some things. And that's additional cost for everyone. And I hope you can tune in for the other parts in this series. Again, if you wanted to find the other parts in this series, simply go to my website, swimmingpoollearning.com. On the banner, click on the podcast icon, and this will give you a drop-down menu of the podcast recordings that I previously have recorded. And you can find the other topics that I'm going to discuss here with Rudy regarding some myths in the pool industry. And if you're in the industry and you're looking to enhance your business, definitely check out my coaching program at poolguycoaching.com. A lot of great benefits for joining that program, including the ability to text me and call me in real time. You can learn more about that at poolguycoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a rest of your week, and God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash pool guy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash pool guy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.